Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about recent lender news, including the very hot M&A market, more drama at Loan Depot, and the latest in the Rocket UWM battle for brokers. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, good to be back. Great to have you on. Um, One of the things I love about talking to you is we can do a deep dive on what's happening with different lenders. And right now, one of the things that's happening is we're seeing a lot of M&A activity, which we predicted last year, started last year, but really has been picking up. So what are some of the deals you're looking at? So we've got a few announcements uh, over the last over the last few days, actually, in the mortgage space, the, the bigger one is probably uh, Guild Mortgage. You know, they've been very acquisitive. They're, of course, a California-based retail lender, distributed retailer. Uh, they're big on the West Coast, but they have been expanding, right? So they picked up Atlanta uh, a few months ago in December. They're based in, uh, I believe, Wisconsin, and um, and and really, you know, they're they're kind of like a true blue, you know, mortgage retail lender, and and they have a branch model, and so. They are looking to get a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher in uh, in the Southwest, and so they very recently picked up a, a fairly small firm called Legacy Mortgage, and they're picking up 13 branches across Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. And and while we don't know the terms of the deal, um, you know. This is not a very big company that was acquired. They did about $300 million in origination volume in 2022. And, um, you know, they only have about 40 plan officers. So I, I imagine uh, the amount of money that was spent by Guild is, is probably not significant. But, um, you know, every little bit helps when, when you're looking to compete uh, across the country. And so Guild has been very disciplined in its M&A strategy, and they're not picking up you know, like big lenders that are their size or, you know, kind of in that ballpark. So for, for context sake, Guild is probably about the 26th biggest uh, originator in the country. And I would say the company they picked up is probably not even in the top, like 250, 300, right? Like this is a pretty small company. Um, but it's it's another example of of kind of, I, I think a lot of lenders are really digging in and saying, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is the model that I know, that I know I can implement uh, across, you know, different geographic areas. And, and so this is what we're going to stick with. And, and Guild is very much probably been one of the most public in, in um, you know, letting other lenders in the space know, hey, if you're for sale, if you're having a tough time, if, um, if you think we might be good dance partners, like, give us a call. And, and so that's, that's, that's one notable deal. Um, and then, you know, we, we also published a story this week, uh, just in fact, just yesterday, <laughs> uh, on American Pacific Mortgage and Bill Lohman. And we did kind of a deep dive. This is by Connie Kim, mortgage reporter here at Housing Wire. And she's looking at, you know, how is APM, which is again, one of the more acquisitive companies out there, how are they picking up all of these different branches? Um, you know, they're headquartered in California. They've got probably about 36, 3,500 employees, you know, about 1,500 LOs. They're, they're a pretty good sized company and, and they've made a lot of deals. In 2022 alone, they picked up Sun Street Lending. They got, uh, 
Landsmark Mortgage out of Minnesota. They picked up 51 branches from Amerifirst. And, and of course, they were also in on, uh, on some of the Finance of America branches uh, once that lender, you know, essentially shut down the forward operations and became a reverse mortgage lender. So, you know, uh, Connie did a great job in, in talking to, to Bill Lohman about, you know, how do you, how do you examine deals? Like, who do you pursue? What is their profile? Uh, you know, how big uh, of a meal are you trying to get when you do decide, uh, you know, to, to gobble up another company? And, you know, how does it work? Like, you know, how do you find deals? How do you get the leads? Um, you know, do, do you stick with their branding? Do you integrate them into kind of a, you know, into a larger model? And so it's, it's a really interesting, comprehensive look at if you are hungry for deals, how do you get it done? You know, like what, what are the mechanics of M&A uh, in, in 2023? I think one of the interesting things about that story for me was the fact that um, acquired branches can still brand themselves as their existing names uh, if, if they get bought by American Pacific Mortgage. Uh, but they can become then just a division of APM. And while while some of the other ones continue to brand themselves under existing names, you know, other, others have just come right under. And it's a whole strategy, right? From their perspective, like, what do their customers want? Uh, where's the cultural fit? What does that look like? Sure. And and I, I think you raise a really good point. When we typically see the M&A deals, it's usually a midsize or larger player saying, okay, you're with me now and I tell you, you know, how you walk, how you talk, you know, you, you, you get integrated into us, not, oh, well, you've done a great job over the last 30 years in your community. You know, you, you know, your customers, you, you know how the branding works and you just, you lack maybe like the technological infrastructure or maybe you lacked, you know, um, you know, something in underwriting or, or, you know, maybe there was one thing that you didn't have that we can bring to you. And you can, it's almost like, you know, almost like a franchise within, you know, like they're, they're not saying we want you to be this, this, and this. They're saying we want you as you are, and we're going to give you the tools to, to be a better version of you. And, and I think that is interesting and, and it's also somewhat unusual. You know, I can only think of a few deals over the last few years um, in which, you know, the, the company that's being acquired is, really un- relatively unchanged. So it's it's an interesting strategy. I I don't know if, you know, let's say if you're across country and you pick up, you know, um, say 10 different small to mid-sized lenders, but they're all known as cross-country, you know, Deloitte or, you know, cross-country New Jersey or, you know, like they're not, they lose that identity if that's better overall for your larger strategy of, kind of signaling to consumers, this is who we are. This is the experience you get no matter where you are in the country, or if it's better to have more of a kind of a, you know, an individualistic approach, but, but certainly, you know, something to chew on. I think American Pacific really embodies like what we were talking about last year is like, there are people who are, are seeing this market as an opportunity. And that's kind of uh, one of the things that comes out in that interview is Loman said, you know, the more the disruption, the more the opportunity when it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. We went into this market, into this declining market, prepared to take advantage of it, and you really see that. I mean, this is this is a strategy that they're able to do, and and through this, as you said, I mean, they think they're going to grow originations by twenty five percent just through their M and A. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting. They're they're not they're not picking up like the carcasses, you know. They're not picking up someone who's you know on life support. Um, they they are you know 
no one's going to suggest that the companies they're picking up are like UWM or Rocket or, you know, or, or these, you know, very big, very profitable enterprises. Um, but they are getting profitable companies. They're, they're not getting companies that are going under and, and just buying what is effectively intellectual property. You know, they're, they're picking up like viable businesses. Um, and that's not always the case, especially when you get into the smaller origination kind of lenders. You know, if, if you're a lender who did a hundred million in volume last year, like, you almost certainly are not making money right now. Now, the higher you get, the more likelihood, you know, the scale does matter in mortgage lending. Like you have to have uh, a certain size and scope to make money in a market like this. Um, and so the lower you go, the less likely it is that those are going to be businesses that would otherwise be able to make it, you know, in, in a market like this. Um, but if you can find the ones that are overall doing decently, and just need a bit of a pick me up, or, or would benefit from kind of the integration into a larger company that has HR, that has you know a lot of uh, processors, that has enough underwriters, that has you know a good lead generation uh, build out. You know you you can you can find quality mortgage loan officers. You can pick up branches in retail locations that are still you know viable. Um, I mean, that's the other part of it is in a lot of cases they're, they're picking up actual real estate, you know, and, and, and in general right now, the trend is at least in, in kind of the real estate housing market brokerage, uh, mortgage lender business, you want less real estate because it's a fixed cost. Um, you know, and depending on where you are, it can be pretty expensive. Like try to, try to build out a brick and mortar, mortgage operation in, in, in uh, Beverly Hills, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're pretty very quickly going to be in the red. And so um, they are strategically picking up retail locations and you have to be really smart about that. Because like I said, if you pick wrong, if you end up buying uh, or acquiring the wrong company, you're, you're getting a lot of debt. You're getting a lot of, you know, costs that are fixed that you cannot shift. And so you have to be really smart about it. And, and there are all, all kinds of little M&A um, mortgage firms that are specializing in, in, in this kind of work. And, and you know, this is a, a great opportunity for them. When there is disruption, there's there's deals to be made. And, and, you know, you either survive and you partner up or you're big enough, strong enough to make it and, and just cut half your staff or whatever it is, or you die. And, and that's, you know... Uh, a little bit more of a kind of like an animal planet documentary, I guess, but it's, it's true. <laughs> and, and that's what we're left with. It, it is true. I think the other thing that they're, they're trying, you know, it's a, it's a um, strategy is to spread out to other regions of the country, right? They want to be more diversified than just their, their, I think they said like 45% of their origination volume in, in 2022 was concentrated in California. Yeah. So the goal they said is to have that figure go below 40% this year's, you know, kind of spread out, which makes all the sense in the world. And that's true of a lot of the mortgage lenders. I mean, California is like an economy unto itself. You know, it's, I remember a stat when I was in like high school and it was something like, like California alone would be like the fifth biggest economy on earth or something, you know, like it's such a big market. And for a lot of companies, if you, if you see a dip in California, you take a dip overall because you, you've devoted so much in resources, so much in the infrastructure you know, your origination business for a lot of lenders is really built on the strength of California. And California is down, you know, like it's um, it's a tough market and not a lot is getting built in California, of course. So um, 
I, I think that's well said. And, and you see a lot of builders uh, that have mortgage arms that are doing pretty well in areas like look look how Lennar's mortgage company is doing in you know the southeast, right? Uh, D. H. Horton, same story. Um, there are other parts of America that are still open for business, and um, and you can make money in in the southeast. You can make money in the southwest. Um, you can make money in the Midwest. You don't need to rely, and it's probably foolish if you only rely on California. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's shift a little bit and talk about uh, another one of the big lenders. Let's talk about Loan Depot. Lots of happened. So you were, I, I was out for a bit. You were out for a bit. While we were gone, a lot of things happened uh, when it comes to Loan Depot. So get us up to speed on what's going on there. I think most people who listen to this podcast probably know of the struggles at Loan Depot. They have, they've been, you know, a, a top five lender for, um, geez, I mean, Many years, you know, they they are a, a very large, uh, very well resourced company. They went public, and um, you know, since the refi boom left us, <laughs> I guess is the the kindest way to say it. Uh, they've really struggled to to kind of make it in a purchase market, and they've had to do uh, a large number of layoffs. I mean, they've cut as everybody has a ton of staff and. You know, we, we've talked about this also in the past on the podcast that they've had some, I think, complaints from the workforce about some of the, you know, the corporate perceptions of, uh, you know, how they're resourced and, and just some of the craziness of, of being a worker at Lone Depot in some places. You know, I, I talked to someone a few months ago who's like, I've had six managers in the last year and, you know, Every day is a fire drill. Like you just like you never know what's going on. You never know what's going to happen, and and it's a tough place to work right now. It's a tough environment. And so Loan Depot, you know, which which considers itself to be a very tech forward company um, that has been kind of built in sort of the corporate image of its founder Anthony Shea, um, has struggled. You know, I, I think they only did something like three billion in origination volume in the fourth quarter, and it's it's just not enough to sustain. And so they brought in Frank Martel, formerly of CoreLogic. He has a reputation for being a cost cutter in the industry. And he's, he's done exactly that. You know, they've, they've laid off a huge amount of staff. They've done reorganizations. They have um, really tried to, to become leader and meter and, and, you know, wanting to fight for kind of a better market, you know, regroup. And um, most recently, Anthony Shea, uh, who has, he's the largest shareholder at the company by far. I think he has like 42% of economic interests. And then he also has a controlling uh, number of shares on the board. Uh, well, he has been trying to get his own candidate um, onto the board and uh, and in doing so would be basically bumping uh, an independent director. Um, and so... The challenge here has really been Anthony Shea says that he needs someone who's very operations minded and experienced on this board because, you know, they're going through a major operational uh, challenge right now. And his candidate is, you know, very experienced. This is uh, Stephen Ozonian of Wilston Financial Group. He's president. He's He's been in the game for a very long time. And in nominating... Ozanian, he would be bumping Pamela Patenaud, uh, you know, formerly of HUD, who's been, uh, you know, a very big name in, in kind of the housing policy space for a long time. 
And the board basically said, we're still reviewing his candidacy. You know, cool your jets. And Anthony Shea said, uh, no, this is my company. You know, I have all of the economic insurance. I have all the, you know, the voting power and I'm going to push him through. So Anthony Shea is stepping down as executive chairman. Um, there's still a little bit of confusion as to how that manifested. Um, based on SEC filings, it looks like the board voted 5-2 um, to remove him from this position. And what happens going forward is is really anyone's guess. I I don't know if it suggests that things are worse than they seem at Lone Depot, but when you have a guy who, who founded this company who, you know, would appear to have a number of favorable candidates that are connected to the company and him, you know, in some way um, voting against one of his directors and voting for him or not voting against, but, but slowing the process, not permitting him to, uh, you know, uh, get him on the board when he wanted him on the board and then voting to remove him from a position, um, I think says that there is a corporate crisis at Lone Depot right now. And I mean, this is one of the 10 biggest mortgage lenders in America. I mean, they're absolutely massive. And, and to see something like this, I, I think suggests that there's, um, there's going to be a lot more news in the coming days and, and we're going to be tracking the story uh, to see what happens, but it's, it's not great for sure at Lone Depot. That is wild. And, you know, to, um, to follow up, you know, Pam Patno, um, I think her, her board seat expires, right. As well as Andrew Dodson's yes. in this time period. So it's not even like he's trying to, uh, you know, I mean, there's a natural process here and that's what the story talks about is that like he was already, Ozonian was already in there. So like, why are you making this giant, giant uh, thing about it when they're already considering him and there's this process going forward, but it sure, it sure feels like just more disruption for a lender that really doesn't need any more disruption. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. We saw, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some big teams move from Lone Depot over to Revolution Mortgage, uh, just as as one example. And you think, um, you know, there's definitely some poaching going on uh, across the board, not just not just with them, but you know, people are looking at at high performing teams, and in, in some ways, are more valuable than ever if you can if you can grab people, leaders, and teams onto other for other companies. Yeah, and this isn't specifically related to Lone Depot, but I think generally speaking you know, sales staff, high performing sales staff, they want to work at a place that they know is stable, that they know, you know, mommy and daddy are getting along and, uh, <laughs> and, and that they, they can see themselves you know, doing good business over the next few years. And if someone else comes along with an offer and says, Hey, like there's a lot of discord there. We don't quite know what's going on. It seems like the board is fighting with the executive chairman and founder. Um, I would bet if if your top people at Lone Depot are already not getting lots of calls, um, it's going to start happening now. Sharks smell blood in the water, right? Absolutely. And I mean that, as we talked about in, in this particular uh, mortgage environment, there's there's a lot of that going around. Yeah, definitely. So now let's shift to uh, one of the 
bigger fights. Uh, you talk about, you know, blood in the water that we've been covering for a couple of years is the ongoing uh, battle between UWM and Rocket. And, you know, the news that we reported on this week about that whole ultimatum and, and how Rocket is fighting that. So bring me up to speed on that. Okay. Are you sitting down? Okay. <laughs> I am. Good, yes. good. I'm glad you're sitting down. Yeah. I mean, this this is a saga that is years in the making now, right? You know, I mean, I, I feel like you could drop a time traveler off in a point. They'd be like, what? They did what? And why? And when? You know? And, and so, yeah, I mean, very, very, very brief synopsis um, is back in March of 2021, Matt HBO goes on Facebook Live, remember when that was a thing, and says, Hey, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. We at UWM are here to protect the broker and Rocket Pro TPO and Fairway Independent Mortgage have been working against your interests and they're trying to get real estate agents to do your job and, and, and this, that, and the other thing. And you shouldn't work with them. They're bad news bears for the, you know, the, the mortgage broker channel. And we are and it kind of like in a paternalistic way said, we're, we're protecting you from yourself by telling you, if you do business with them, you can't do business with us. And we are number one in, you know, in this channel and, and those are the rules. And, and if you violate the rules, we're going to pop you with some pretty big fines. You know, it was like $5,000 a violation or up to $50,000 a month. And, um, and so UWM absolutely did follow up uh, on, on some, you know, follow through on some of those threats. And they took, I want to say like three or four uh, different mortgage brokerage companies to court, you know, and seeking like millions of dollars in, in damages based on, you know, the loan volume that they sent and, you know, violations of of the broker agreement. And so let's fast forward. Okay. So we're, we're like almost two years later and at a, a company event with brokers, Mike Fawaz, who's uh, effectively the, the head of wholesale lending at Rocket Mortgage, gets up on stage and tells brokers, look, the ultimatum is over. It is null and void. We are here to put an end to UWM's bullying ways uh, by basically arming you with money. So if you're a broker and you don't want to deal with this ultimatum, you want to do business with whoever you want, whether it's us, whether it's Fairway, whether it's Carrington, whether it's HomePoint, you know, whoever, like, doesn't matter. Uh, and UWM goes after you. We're going to pay for it. We're going to pay your legal costs. We're going to pay whatever the violations are that UWM. And so it, it comes at kind of a funny moment in time. You know, if you ask Rocket and you say like, hey guys, why are you doing this now? Like two years later, um, they'll tell you, well, you know, there's choice in the market now. You know, the pipelines are not full. It's not It's not as hard a choice, I think, is, is maybe a fair way of looking at it. Um, but I always like to think of these things in, in very like – what is the business impetus for doing these things? And regardless of how you feel about the ethics of what UWM did two years ago by basically saying you don't have choice, which has always been sort of the, the broker's, you know, value proposition, right? Like I can get you 74 different mortgage offers if I wanted, you know, like I can get you, I'll get you the best deal because like I'm personally incentivized to get you the best deal. I don't work for, you know, lender A, lender B, whatever. Regardless of how you feel about that, it was effective. UWM grew with brokers. They attracted, maybe not just specifically they, but brokers or, or retail LOs came into the channel. UWM capitalized on that. And by engaging in like very aggressive pricing battles and and all kinds of initiatives with buy downs and, and you know, all sorts of new products and promotions, 
UWM has undoubtedly, probably better than anyone, capitalized on this market. And so, again, regardless of the ethics of it, um, it worked. The ultimatum did succeed. And Rocket lost brokers. Rocket gained a few that they, you know, previously, uh, you know, were, were working with that also sent business to Europe. You know, it wasn't like, you know, a hundred soldiers come to this side and, you know, none go to that side. It's, it's not like that. But um, overall, UWM absolutely did attract more, uh, more brokers to their side of things. And I think this is just my opinion. Um, having spoken to, to some brokers and, and talked to a few executives in the space, I think Rocket needs more business out of the wholesale channel, pure and simple. Their business right now, and it has been for a while, is set up predominantly to capitalize on refi markets. There's no refi market in 2023. Like it won't happen. No, there isn't. You know, maybe maybe you'll get like a little bit here at some point if rates do dip, you know, into the fives and, and you'll see, you know, maybe, maybe you can get some some people who need to pay off credit card debt or something, you know, like there's always going to be a little bit of refi, right? Because there are too many personal financial choices that people can make that might, you know, acquire that product at that time. But as a matter of running a business, you don't want to bank on refi in 2023, right? And so they need they need purchase business. Where does purchase business come? Generally speaking, it comes from LOs who know the real estate agent or a financial advisor or like a divorce lawyer in some cases. You know, there are different ways to get it. Um, but you know, that is a generally good source of purchase business. And Rocket is not built for that, right? They have like a call center model and then they work with brokers, you know, through another channel. But if UWM is saying, you know, I'll effectively um, make it so difficult, so painful for you to match me on price that you just won't do it because it's not financially in your interest, you need to come up with a new strategy. You need to figure out a way to get those leads, to get that volume coming in. And UWM has overtaken Rocket over the last two quarters in volume overall, you know, by not an not a small amount either. I think it was like five or six billion in the last quarter. It was even more than that, you know, in the prior quarter. Um, and from what I understand, just just looking at data, talking to people in this space, it's going to be the same in the first quarter, you know. And so they need to do something. And and so if it costs them twenty five million to pay the tab for every possible broker or LO in that space who is annoyed or frustrated with UWM and its policies or whatever. And this is what convinces them to, you know, send them loans. Then that's the cost of doing business. What we don't know is what UWM will do, right? I could, they haven't said, they have not communicated. They declined to comment when we asked them like, Hey, what do you think about, <laughs> you know, rocket two years later deciding to, to, you know, to pay these lawsuits basically. Um, but UWM is a very aggressive player, and I could absolutely see them, you know, taking, uh, you know, a- another aggressive stance in response. So we'll see. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, things are just getting hotter in the broker space. It is absolutely fascinating to me. And to your point, like two years later, and also, um, you know, what percentage of brokers now are feeling that or have the people who wanted to switch already switched? And, you know, I mean, how many is this, right? It's hard to say. I mean, at the time when, when we talked about the the ultimatum, you know, two years ago and, and almost two years ago, almost exactly two years ago, actually, Sarah, um, 
we were talking about like 3,500 brokers that were kind of like up for grabs, so to speak. And, um, you know, the majority of them ended up uh, working with UWM. The broker space now is much bigger. You know, we've, we've done a lot of reporting about uh, the migration from retail and, you know, and, and other sources, you know, so the broker space, I think, is a more open uh, market right now, you know, and so I, I don't know if, you know, someone who joined from a retailer has an allegiance toward any one lender or not, and, and maybe they just work with UWM because the pricing, you know, was really good for six months, and, and but, you know, when the pricing is not as good or, or when they don't have as much financial incentive, they'll work for whoever gets their their bar or the best deal. So, it, it could end up working out. Um, I don't see a lot of downsides unless, you know, they they end up just spending a huge amount of money and just not getting much business out of it. You know, if they decided to basically take on, you know, every every former broker partner who's uh, run afoul of UWM's broker agreement and and they don't actually get any volume out of it, it will be uh, not even a pure victory, right? Like it'll, it'll just be embarrassing. But um, they're a really smart company. There are no dummies at Rocket Mortgage. Uh, they have run the biggest mortgage lender for a very long time. Um, when they make a decision like this, they do their homework. They absolutely know what they're getting into. This wasn't done with haste. So maybe maybe they should have done it a little sooner. You know, I think maybe that could have um, you know mitigated some of their losses in in the broker space. Uh, they could have performed a little bit better if they had done this a year ago, right? But um, they're doing it now. So we'll see. Yeah. And I do think that's what's so fascinating about the news, you know, the broker news with Rocket and UWM in there, because these are both really big, smart, ambitious companies who are not afraid to put the money where their mouth is, not afraid on either side to do aggressive things, uh, to win over the brokers. So we'll we'll continue to uh, report that out, I know. Thanks for keeping on top of it. Your newsroom's been doing fantastic. And thanks for giving us a roundup of kind of what's going on with lenders. Sure. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's good to be, good to be back. Great to have you. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.